It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by Price Picks. Price Picks is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week, you might be already in it, it might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Where does the Charlotte Hornets starting backcourt rank in the NBA? They had a good showing last night against the Indiana Pacers. We'll talk about that and plenty more today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We It's Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network, and we appreciate you making the Locked On Hornets podcast your first listen every day. Follow us on Twitter, Walker Mail, Doug Branson, LOH, and Locked On Hornets. Also, we appreciate Truebill for sponsoring this episode. It's the new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions you don't want or need, and they can even negotiate better deals on those you want to keep. We were supposed to have Julian Council join uh, join us and enjoy the win last night against the Indiana Pacers, but instead he decided to go to the Duke's Mayo Bowl. So then we were going to try to move up David to have a fun Thursday, even if the alliteration doesn't fit. We were going to try to make that happen. But he's going to the Duke's Mayo Bowl. So I guess, Doug, you and I, I mean, I'm the only one in Charlotte apparently not going to the Duke's Mayo Bowl, and instead we're doing a Hornets podcast. Uh, I don't like mayo, and this is just another reason uh, to hate mayonnaise, that it has deprived us of great Hornets voices to celebrate an amazing Hornets win. Real quickly, my take on mayo is that anybody who doesn't like it is lying. Really, the thing is, people who don't like it don't like the amount in which they get. If you have a little spread, then it's always going to taste good, but people put too much, and then that's when it gets gross. I, I promise everybody likes mayo. That's my take on it. It's just the amount of mayo on your sandwich or whatever that you don't like. I, I don't disagree with you on that point, but I would say that, yeah, I mean, look, mayo abuse is a problem in this it country. Is. It is. And, I, I and, and it has caused mayo to have a bad reputation, but that doesn't mean that mayo's bad reputation is unwarranted. I disagree. Duke's is. You can't hate on the Duke's Mayo Bowl. You can't hate on Duke's Mayo. And that's where I'll stand right now. We can end the Mayo talk. Let's get to the starting backcourt talk with the Charlotte Hornets. 
Whew. Terry Rozier, LaMelo Ball, they were fun last night and in different ways. Terry Rozier just decided to throw up everything that he could possibly take. All of the shot attempts for Terry, 23 field goal attempts to be exact. That's 10 more than what was a group tied for the second most at 13. Gordon Hayward, LaMelo Ball, and Kelly Oubre all shot 13. Terry shot 23, made 13 of those, 5 of 9 from three-point land, including some quick trips three-pointers that immediately went in. Massive game from him, 35 points, got to the foul line seven times, only made four of them. Honestly, really the only mistake you can talk about with Terry, um, four of seven, but still really impressive game. And then LaMelo, one assist shy from the triple-double, tried to get it, didn't exactly work out for him, did have 12 rebounds, did have 21 <laughs> points. He was the second leading scorer. But it doesn't matter, Doug. They combined for almost 60 points between the two of them. You had nine assists from LaMelo, 12 rebounds, seven from Terry, who did a pretty good job at that as well. We got some special guys at one and two here in Charlotte. Gosh, so much to talk about from this game. On the triple-double thing, like, yes, look, the triple-double <laughs> gods never abide those kind of shenanigans. But but I'll say this, if if LaMelo Ball had a legitimate roll threat, a pick-and-roll threat, a guy that he could throw to and be confident that they would finish on that roll, then LaMelo Ball would have easily gotten that triple-double. He was robbed of a triple-double by virtue of not having someone he could throw to consistently off the pick-and-roll. And it was a play that they were going to over and over, whether it was Mason Plumlee. Nick Richards, I thought, finished great off the roll. Mason struggled at times with that. Um, so once they get him a big that that can really dominate in that area, watch out on the Lamelo Ball thing. But Terry Rozier, you I mean you just have to stand in awe of what he did in that game on both ends of the floor. Offensively, he was hitting rhythm threes. You mentioned the quick trigger, just unconscious. Uh, showed up in the fourth quarter, certified gamer. You know, I mean that mm -hmm. certificate's never getting taken away. Um, and and then on defense, you know, he said after the game. Lamelo and and he decided, hey, we're going to start playing some defense, and it was a great time to decide to do that uh, because they showed up, limited Chris Duarte, who's been excellent at shooting threes this year, limited to, limited him to one attempt. Uh, I thought the overall defensive game plan was great. Uh, this was just a, a really a really good showing, and something I was kind of looking for from this team. Could they show up? when the shooting dried up a little bit, and I thought they did in the second half. They, they certainly did. You talk about the shooting. Check out this disparity. The three-point attempts for Charlotte, they only had 26. 17 of those were from Kelly Oubre and Terry Rozier. The Indiana Pacers shot 45 threes in this game. They made 17. It was even decent percentage. Like They shot 38% from three in this game, and yet still the Charlotte Hornets were able to keep them at bay, winning 116 to 108. But it was because of Terry. Kelly only had a couple of his eight, so not necessarily a great shooting night from him. It was really Terry that was contributing the most. They only had nine made three-pointers. Terry had five, Kelly had two, a couple people had one. But watching Terry Rozier, like it was it was hilarious to see him dribble the basketball to his spot, make a beeline for whatever spot he wanted to shoot from, and then hoist it up and it would be a swish. Boom. Gets the basketball, dribble to yeah. a spot, throw it up, it would be money. He even talked to Ashley after the game, or excuse me, after the half, and said how angry he was at not hitting a couple of those corner three-pointers, which basically mm -hmm. were on the side. They were a little offline, but it seems like the depth was right, and then it just kind of bounced off. And he was angry after the shot immediately. Then he talked about that uh, to Ashley after the half. And so this is somebody that is shooting with unbelievable confidence. It's kind of funny to see him discuss 
my confidence is so high right now. Flip that switch, and it's carrying out in real time, and you're seeing a red-hot Terry Rozier. Like, Clay Thompson, probably the most fun, hot player to watch when he's on a streak and doesn't miss. It's insane. Terry's kind of in that group, man, and he showed you that last night. And honestly, like if he had been in this similar groove all season long and not dealt with the protocol and not dealt with the the ankle injury, that then perhaps we're talking about both Lamelo Ball and Terry Rozier in the All Star conversation. I'm 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 sure we're talking about Lamelo Ball in that conversation. Yeah. Not sure about Terry Rozier, and I think you would have to lift that backcourt into the upper echelon of the Eastern Conference for sure, and maybe even the entire NBA. Want to shift focus to Lamelo Ball, whose passes? I thought my TV was broken, and I thought my league pass was broken, which is a, a legitimate fear of mine because league pass always seems to break. But I, I thought it was glitching out. But no, it was Lamelo Ball throwing these passes that just seemed to break physics. There was the one at the end of the half, the hammer toss that he threw to Gordon Hayward, who was cutting through the Indiana zone for the dunk. That was amazing. He had one to Mason that I'm like, how? He was like going through contact, and he dropped it off to Mason just in the perfect spot where even Mason could finish. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was just amazing to watch him work. He was doing it on dribble drives. He was faking guys out. I mean, you know, he just got to bow down to what LaMelo is doing right now with the ball in his hands. I thought this was a great control game from LaMelo. This yeah. uh, be, being somebody that split the double team a couple of times Ooh. off the pick and yeah. roll where they tried to trap him. Boop, Mark Price it, split it right there put the defense on skates and eventually score a bucket, whether it's him or dishing off to the nearest guy. We're at the point now, Doug, and I kind of got this idea from your tweet. I think it was the late pass to Mason Plumley to help them out right at the end of the game. It was a huge bucket. Mm -hmm. Every bucket at the end of the game was huge because the Pacers wouldn't go away. But that Mason Plumley dish, you tweeted out, I thought my TV glitched. I, I It was too fast. And really, it's just him throwing over the top of the defense at lightning speed because he knew that was the only window that would allow Mason Plumley to get the open dunk. And we're going to take that for granted, man. Like it, It's just too hard to appreciate every good pass from LaMelo because all of them, that Gordon Hayward bounce pass, I mean, he's throwing that with all his might within a five-foot window. And it's a bounce yeah. pass that does like a perfect V. It's not even, you know, this, uh, it's not even this obtuse angle bounce pass. It's like this acute angle, boom, 100%, 100 miles per hour. And it gets to Gordon and then he comes up with the flush. Th that, some, ninth, that's some ninth grade, throwing out some ninth grade geometry you know, terms you, there. Some obtuse, some acute. <laughs> Isosceles. I, th hey, I think he. I think he formed an isosceles triangle at one point. <laughs> you know, if you try to attribute the Pythagorean theorem to Lamelo's game, it's it's astonishing. It it doesn't equate with everybody else's passes. It, it's it's in, really it's insane to watch. Yeah, I mean, it was it was crazy. I loved it. I was I mean, waiting for more math equations. I was waiting for more terms. That yeah, have yeah. I mean, for radius, it. circumference. I can throw them out all day. I mean, mm -hmm. I I wasn't. Uh, I was pretty good at math, but I didn't I didn't love it, and I certainly didn't pay much attention um, in geometry. But uh, I was paying attention to this game. I was paying attention to the defense that both of these guys uh, displayed, and and I really want to talk more about that in the next segment mm -hmm. because I thought the defensive game plan. Uh, was really on point and really well executed from every single person on the roster. They really stepped up. Again, you're missing Miles Bridges and P.J. Washington, two big parts of your defense. And they, once again, three straight games, three straight wins, and three straight times that they've held teams 
to under 110 points. Uh, just really, really great game to watch. Fun game to watch. Yeah, I'm not very good at math either. And so I really emptied the chamber on everything that I remembered <laughs> from any kind of math that I took. But I imagine not a lot of people like doing math. So let Truebill do it for you. Do you know why free trials really? renew without your consent? It's a business game out to get you. So don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Instead, download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions and help save you money. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for those subscriptions you don't want or need, or just even simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel. Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Don't fall for those scams anymore. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash NBA. Go right now. Truebill.com slash NBA. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash NBA. Let's talk about Borrego's game plan, the defense, also the role players who stepped up. That's coming up next. This is Locked on Hornets. Segway. Yeah. It's called a radio segue. Well, and, and I saw I'm feeling John. better, by the way, if you didn't notice. I didn't want, you know, I'm a, I'm a little bit of a private person, so I don't talk about my health issues often on the show. Um, but when I, now I'm healthy, and I think people are going to notice a change in me today. So I just wanted to kind of go, go ahead and get that out of the way um, that Doug is unleashed on this show today. So watch out. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. You sound still nasally. It was clear that you were coming off of a sickness that you had. <laughs> because I well, hear that. I'm like, you know what? That doesn't sound. Uh, no. And, you know, it's funny to listen to that clip now and remember when it was like, okay, to be sick. You know, now it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's extremely scary. Um, you know, you could, uh, you know, fight, try to fight through the sickness or what mm-hmm. have you. But um, now not so, not so much. Now we're not down with the sickness. As Disturbed said. Disturbed, I believe, as you came up with that song. Either way, I'm down with the defensive game plan that they had against the Indiana Pacers last night. We talked about the three-point disparity. The Indiana Pacers took 45. And I'll say this, you know, the Indiana Pacers, they took a lot of open threes. There was there was a lot of them. But mm-hmm. Sabonis took five attempts from deep, only made one of them because the guy shoots 27% from three. Karis LeVert took 12 and that plays right into the Levert game plan. Allow him to shoot all over the place because he doesn't really right. want to pass it. He wants to hoist up shots too, except for unlike Terry, don't really go in a whole lot. His overall percentage isn't good. Three-point percentage is 31 on the year. So he goes 4 of 12. You live with that. Chris Duarte, a good player. Just, just an awesome player, by the way, overall. 5 of 7. We remember what he did opening night to the Charlotte Hornets. I think he hit 7, like PJ did his rookie debut. Either way, Duarte only took 1. He made it, but you don't want that guy shooting a lot of threes, and so they didn't allow him to. Instead, it was guys like Sabonis. It was guys like uh, Burt, who took 17 between those two players. Uh, mm-hmm. Justin Holiday took five. You don't necessarily want him taking a ton, but either way, Doug. I mean, it, it, Indiana collected great at shooting from deep, and, and Charlotte exploited that. Yeah, and I thought they did a really great job, especially early in this game. Again, not not switching up top, a lot of drop coverages, which I thought Mason and, and Nick, you know, really sort of negotiated that boundary between how much am I going to drop to try to take away uh, you know, a Sabonis or a Turner roll or a post up opportunity and, and you know, can I get back out and and defend on the perimeter? 
Uh, I just thought it was a nice job. Everybody was locked in. Everybody was focused. And you were giving those opportunities to players that you wanted to give opportunities to, like you said, Sabonis and Lavert, uh, and even Turner. You know, Turner hit hit some nice shots. You know, if Turner ever becomes a Charlotte Hornet, I look forward to hearing Eric Collins say moonball about 9,000 times. He did like that. It is a moonball, though. I'll <laughs> give him credit. It really is. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I love the defensive game plan because look, if you tell me that they take 45 three-point shots, a team that's not great at, at taking threes, and Charlotte wins the battle in the paint 54 to 32, and you get 18 Indiana turnovers, which those 18 turnovers were by virtue of the fact that they weren't getting easy rim runs. Everything was difficult. It was a handsy type of game. I thought especially in the third quarter, that was the key quarter. When the when the Hornets weren't shooting well, except for LaMelo Ball, uh, the, the Hornets across the board were not shooting well in that third quarter, only came away with 19 points, but you held Indiana to 25. The games that they were losing in previous weeks, you would see a 19-point quarter come up for the Charlotte Hornets, and they would give up 36 points. They would give up 41 points. It often happened in the first quarter, not the third quarter. But in this case, they give up 25 points. And, uh, you know, again, credit to all the players who committed, but credit to Borrego, too, for instituting the game plan, sticking with it, and they come away with the victory. Um, O'Shea Brissett, Keelan Martin came off the bench, each playing about 20 minutes and hit some huge threes for them. They, they're they the ones that kept Indiana alive down the stretch. O'Shea Brissett was yep. awesome. He had Same thing with Keelan Martin. Um, and, and they didn't turn over the basketball. You mentioned those 18 turnovers. Only one came from the bench. That was from Torrey Craig. Everybody else had multiple. The, the whole starting lineup had multiple turnovers. And those, and those three-point shots that Indiana hit, they, I, mean, I would say in the second half, they were more contested. In the first half, they were really focused on taking away the role and taking away anything inside for for both dribble drive and Turner and Sabonis. But I think in the second half, even those shots that Brissett and, and uh, Keelan Martin were hitting, they were hands up in the air. I mean, they were trying to contest things. Um, so, I mean, I still credit the defense. I, I, and I, Well, and certainly for Levert, they were contested at the end. Um, and I think, Doug, I mean, I can't help but just to be at an all-time high on Jalen McDaniels, man. I and mean, that guy, I thought it was another really good defensive performance from him. He's continuing to do things off the dribble, and he showed you some big time buckets last night. Oh, put it, he lane. put he put he put an arm into the chest of Miles Turner and said, "No, sir, I'm yeah. getting this basket." That was amazing. he's doing things, man. Like he's he's doing more things than just being the three and D type of guy. And now, to be fair, early he tried to put the ball on the deck, was kind of clumsy with it, got stripped. So there was one of his two turnovers in this game, and that came on. But then after that, he tried it again and had a floater, had one big-time shot at the end of this game to keep them you know, ahead of Indiana as Indiana would go down the other end and score quite a bit in the fourth quarter. I, five of eight from the field for him, didn't hit a three, and still his impact is felt. I thought defensively rotated really well. I think it was Karis LeVert at the top of the key where they're trying to free him up. He's trying to go ISO. McDaniels played it perfectly. You know, not fouling, still putting a hand in his I just think that guy, along with Cody, not offensively good, didn't hit a bucket, but defensively, Cody showed you some nice things, four assists, a couple blocks, and a steal. You know, Jalen, at both ends right now, we've seen Cody do that. Like, those two guys improving the way they have, man. You, you got to love. You got to love what they've brought you. All right, so it's clear that you are still in the Jalen McDaniels fan club. Uh, you're still the president. Sure. You're still recruiting members. 
Um, yeah, you're, you're hitting the ground running there. But after this game against the Pacers, are you still in the Miles Turner fan club? Was this a good audition game for him? Uh, you know, Hornets fans, a lot of Hornets fans looking for the Hornets to try to make a move for Turner. Are you feeling more confident or less confident about that move after this game? No, I, I feel just as confident. I thought his presence was felt four blocks from which is above an average that already leads the NBA in blocks. I thought you could sense his rim protection even on some other shot attempts from Charlotte, allowing mm-hmm. them to miss a couple of times. Eric Collins pointed that out. He goes three of six from three-point yeah. land, too. And and of course you would love to have that kind of shooting. He even had the fadeaway. I think Cody Martin fouled him on that fadeaway where he goes to the line and hits the and one. I, I'm all about Miles being on this team. And then if you wanted to ask me a hard question, hey, are you willing to trade a Jalen McDaniels or a Cody Martin as a sweetener in order to get a Miles Turner? It would be more tough now. Like I, I don't want to, but also you have to give stuff up in order to get somebody like Miles. I would hate to see Jalen go, but I, I'm not holding on to Jalen for dear life to say, nope, that, that's way too much to ask for. Yeah, I think Miles is that important, especially with a big-time need with the Charlotte Hornets team. I think now fans getting to watch what Miles brings – I, I think, yeah, I think that audition was just fine. If you're, a, if you're a Hornets fan that wants a center, that wants Miles Turner specifically, I thought last night certainly didn't change your mind. If anything, it enhanced it. Yeah, I mean, you hope, you hope your role players play well enough to impress you as a fan base and also impress other general managers so that you can swap those players eventually for a player that legitimately changes the calculus night in and night out, which I think is what a Miles Turner would do. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were a little worried, if you've ever had questions about Miles Turner, all I would say is that LaMelo Ball is going to, uh, he would unlock things in Miles Turner that we haven't even seen yet. Miles Turner was doing things in this game like trying to take guys off the dribble and you know do do some different things that aren't necessarily in his wheelhouse because he's not able to eat in other ways. Part of that is due to the fact that the Pacers are decimated. Their roster, especially from the guard position, is decimated by protocol and other injuries. TJ McConnell's out, Brogdon's out, um, and, and several other players are out as well. But he wasn't, he's been dissatisfied all season. He can't say it. He tried to say it and got booed. He can't say it, but (laughs) he's dissatisfied. Yeah, I mean, he's dissatisfied with his role in the offense. And what he's really dissatisfied with is that he can't eat in the way that he needs to eat. Like, like if you're getting three square meals a day, you don't need to like rummage through the pantry for a snack. That's what he's doing right now. He's rummaging. Yeah. Yeah, he's trying yeah. to go through the pantry and find like, oh, there's a there's a half-eaten granola bar. I'll I'll have some of that, I guess. Nah, if he comes to Charlotte, Lamelo Ball is giving him three square every game. It's going to be amazing. I'm not worried about Miles Turner at all, uh, and I hope the Hornets are able to make a deal. The only thing I worry about Walker is that with all of this protocol stuff. The NBA is just trying to hang on. Rosters are just trying to hang on. And I don't know what that's going to do to the trade market. Uh, it might lock it up completely. Teams may just yeah. say, look, we just got to hold till next season because we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, that very well could be true. You know, we, we talk about Miles, right? Like he tried to put it on the deck a couple times trying to force something it just didn't work for him missed a layup didn't look good right didn't look fluid it didn't look like that was a natural part of his game and yet still all of the things he does well Charlotte could really use and we'll see if they decide to really go after him before the trade deadline is up but maybe it's all put on hold the question is do the Hornets need to make a trade in a couple of different situations 
to get a playoff spot outright, which means a top six spot, or to win a playoff series? Do they need to make a trade for both? And I want to talk about that coming up in the next segment. Now, before I discuss bet online, though, I would bet now the Hornets don't make a trade. But I don't know. You could go to Bet Online if you want to and try to figure that out yourself. They've got you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the college bowl season and the pro football playoffs. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. You can head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKED ON to receive your bonus. Bet Online is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. So don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available. Bet online where the game starts. Do the Hornets need to make a trade to make a top six seed or to win a playoff series? We'll talk about that next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. So if you don't believe in the moon landing, Mm -hmm. then what would you say is the greatest human achievement? I think the greatest achievement of all time, and I think it's Vince Carter doing 360s clockwise rather than counterclockwise. It's really tough. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Talked with Rod Boone on the after. Noon rush yesterday for Bobby on 7.30 the game. Go check it out if you want to. I'll be there again today. Either way, talked with Rod Boone of the Charlotte Observer. Asked him that same question. Do the Hornets need to make a trade to get a top six seed? Do they need to make a trade for a playoff series? It seemed like Rod thought they do need to make a trade for both. You know, it, it, whether it be avoiding the play-in tournament, still getting in postseason play, they needed in order to do that and also even be competitive in a series. Doug, I don't think it's true for both. I think the Hornets are good enough to where it's conceivable for sure to see them actually sneak in, get that sixth spot. But in a playoff series, if they don't make a trade specifically for center, as that's the position we continue to talk about, I, I think they probably you're hoping to win two games in that series. Can, can you force it to six? And that would be a win in my book. If they make that trade, then maybe you could talk about, well, is it realistic that they actually win this playoff series? But I, I think they need to make a trade in order for that scenario to have a possibility of playing out. It's so difficult to evaluate uh, intelligently because there are so many variables at this point with the NBA. They, they, they're, they're changing uh, the, the way they approach these health and safety protocols Seemingly daily, uh, it's probably weekly, but uh, things are changing rapidly, and the situation on the ground in terms of, you know, how many players are getting this, will they get it again? You know, it, it just seems to be changing so much that it's difficult to evaluate. You know, where teams are going to be with their roster. You've got game postponements all over the place, and then there's this variable of the the Hornets have play will play so many home games, which will play into their favor. So I tend to think. The, the same thing that you do, Walker, that even if they don't make a move, they I think they could definitely get into the play-in uh, tournament. But I think yeah. they could even achieve a top six seed if, if things fall correctly, if LaMelo Ball and Terry Rozier decide to play defense. <laughs> like, you know, it's it's their decision. They've said it. They, they can either decide to play defense or not. So if they decide to play defense consistently for the rest of the year the, and – 
the Hornets get their full complement of players and play well. You know, that's what we haven't seen yet. The Hornets were playing badly when they had their full complement of players. So, you know, once they reintegrate uh, Miles Bridges and P.J. Washington back into the lineup, can they take that full group and start to win basketball games and play defense? Those are all big questions in my mind, but I think they're capable of doing it even without a deal. But as I've said all season, they're going to get eviscerated in the playoffs if they don't make a move. Yeah, and... and you talk about the play-in tournament, Doug. Like things would have to go pretty disastrously wrong for them to not get a top ten seed, right? We've seen it before. We've seen it before. I, I mentioned in the yeah. last show the 2016-17 season. They were on top of the world. They had just beaten the Brooklyn Nets, went two games above 500, and then they lost seven in a row. And this team, this year's team, is capable of losing multiple games back to back, and 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 it's all really contingent on their defense. I don't think the shooting's going anywhere. This all comes down to defense. Making a move for a center would make it a lot easier night in and night out to play defense. Uh, they, you know, it has to be a collective, uh, uh, you know, just ex- extremely energetic attack every night. Uh, with the roster as it's currently constructed. Well, they're on a a three-game winning streak. They beat the Denver Nuggets coming back against them. They controlled that game against the Rockets. You saw the Pacers win last night. With this three-game winning streak, they're 5-5 and of their last 10. They passed Washington, and they're currently the seven seed. They don't have the tiebreaker over Philly because the 76ers, they own Charlotte. That's just what it is. It's been that way, really, for the majority of the past decade. Philadelphia is that six seed right now at 18 and 16. Hornets are 19 and 17. But you're right. Like, I guess, as I say, things have to go pretty disastrously uh, wrong. Like, you look at Toronto, two and a half games back of Charlotte. Toronto's the 11 seed. Atlanta, three games back of Charlotte. They're the 12 seed. Then you have Indiana. And look, they're not great. I mean, Indiana's no, not. No, listen, no. I'm just going to stop you there. I know you're kind of a secret Indiana fan. I'm just going to stop you there. Indiana's not making – they're not making the play-in tournament. Oh, they're, okay. They're not so a good, they're, they're not I mean, that's team. fine. That doesn't that doesn't cut me too deep. Like, that, that's but, fine. But, but you're Toronto, saying they're that you bad. You, yeah, but you mentioned Toronto and Atlanta, and those are the X factors, right? Because those mm-hmm. are two teams that have not had their roster. They haven't had their roster. And they're good teams when when they've – I mean, Atlanta's an amazing team when a- they've Atlanta's had their full the complement of players. Yeah. So that's all of these X factors are going to uh, come into play. It's going to be really interesting uh, to see. But I think the Hornets are in an interesting situation. They're in a very familiar situation to, I think, a lot of people listening to this show. They have a lot of assets, and they've tried to go to the store, or I think they're going to try to go to the store and buy something, and they're not going to find anything on the shelf. You know, I mean, there's there is a supply chain issue in the in the league but right they have now because Lance back, Stevenson's it's not, playing. It's not a supply; they're just choosing not to put it out on the shelf right now. They want to keep it for themselves. Yeah, and well, that's what I'm saying. But there, well, there's a there is a supply issue. They they the NBA doesn't have enough players right now to play basketball. <laughs> that's true. That's true, man. I am kind of. You look at the standings. There are a few things that is. It's pretty fascinating because you look at the point differential. Hornets are getting up there, closer to breaking even. But we've seen this from Charlotte. I feel like you see it every year. Their record is better than what their point differential suggests. Right now, they're negative point nine. You look at a team like Boston, who's tenth. They're plus point six. Indiana. They're the only other team below the Hornets that have a positive point differential at plus point four. Philadelphia is minus point one. Like. It, it goes to show how competitive they are, how competitive the East is altogether. And we were kind of talking about this before we started recording, Doug. I think the competitive East, it hurts 
individual team success, but not individual players. Because if you're talking yeah. about who could possibly make the all-star team, it's a little up for grabs because Ben Simmons is no longer a part of the equation. Kyrie Irving isn't that much a part of the equation. And LaMelo Ball, maybe we get into this more in the next episode, but LaMelo Ball, it looks pretty damn promising that he's going to get an all-star bid. But when you talk about a guy like Miles Bridges, who had a lot of energy going forward at the beginning, seems like that's fizzled out, especially with him and COVID protocol. Yeah, we should mention we're going to take uh, a day off from the show tomorrow to mm -hmm. uh, celebrate the new year. Hope everybody has a, a safe and, and happy new year. Um, uh, but I want to go to the I want I do want to talk about All Star, but I think we should save it for next week. Uh, I want to go to your point differential question or your statement about mm -hmm. point differential. Th that has happened to the Hornets multiple years now. It has because they've been a good offensive team and a very bad defensive team. And that's what happens to good offensive teams and bad defensive teams is that they, they have the potential to blow teams out, but more often they are going to get blown out, and, and that's what flips the point differential. So and the Hornets, if they can improve that defense for the rest of the way uh, you know, and, and, and really play better than they have in several years on that end of the floor, then, then that number is going to flip. You know who has the fourth best point differential in the NBA and the best point differential in the East right now? It's the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, yeah, well, that you know, it sickens me honestly. It sickens me <laughs> that the Eastern Conference suddenly decides to be competitive. The Bulls suddenly decide to be competitive and make a bunch of moves. Cleveland suddenly decides to be competitive when the Hornets finally field a roster. Could you guys not have done this like two years ago? Come on. Right. I mean, Darius Garland, speaking of that, like Darius Garland is going to be somebody in consideration for the All-Star game. It's pretty, it, it's a competitive East. We'll There's see. No hey, LaMelo, I know, I know we have a lot of LaMelo ball stands that listen and watch. They certainly watch the show on YouTube, or at least they comment. Goodness gracious. So, He's better than Darius. I didn't say Darius is better than LaMelo. Don't come at me. I love no, LaMelo. I'm, I'm issuing a challenge to them. No. All right. Don't do that. We'll see how, how big LaMelo, how national LaMelo balls, um, his fan base is. Uh, whether or not he can topple some of these competitive guards in the East, like DeRozan, like Harden, like Young, you know, can can he overcome that with the size of his fan base? We're going to see. We're going to yeah. see. He deserves to be an all-star. I just want to end oh, on sure. that. He deserves oh. to be an all-star. Yeah. I think the nobody will hear will us when we help. say that, by the way. No one will hear that. No, they've they already won't. turned the episode off they did. and they've gone to the comments to unleash hell. They did. Happy New Year. Yeah, they, they certainly did that. Thanks for making Locked on Hornets your first listen every single day. Make sure you join us on Monday in the new year as we'll talk about the Charlotte Hornets, uh, Charlotte Hornets expectations as well as LaMelo Ball and some potential all-stars on this roster. Make your second listen Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop. For all your gambling needs, Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Thanks again for joining us. Appreciate your support, not only today, but all year long. And we'll be back with you on Monday. See you in 22. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.